All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Who uh, who is thankful for macaroni and cheese this morning? I heard several people. Man, thank you, First Baptist Woodstock. We appreciate you guys. Uh, wonderful food and uh, wonderful hearts of being out here. Well, I just want to uh, to start uh, just kind of a kind of a recap this morning before we get in the word. Uh, I know several of you have been the last few weeks, but I always like to take time and do that to, to kind of tie in where we've been. I hate for somebody to just be here the first time in a month or so and have no context to kind of where we've been or what we've been talking about. And so if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the idea of healing. Uh, if you remember that, maybe three weeks ago, I even posted and put out a question, are you in need of healing, Right? Do you want to be healed? We even looked at Jesus asking that question to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, kind of a silly question if we think about it because he's at a place that needs, you know, people are wanting healing and he asked the question, do you want to be healed, right? But it kind of lended to the idea that there may be something that we need to do uh, uh, as, as far as a part of our healing because we, we, if you remember, we fast forward, we looked at a story and it was a story that we could find ourselves in where we looked in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Naaman. It was in 2 Kings, and he had heard about this prophet of God, a man by the name of Elisha. And if you remember, he goes to Elisha in this huge fanfare moment, uh, chariots and horses and all of these people following him. And it says that Naaman had leprosy, this unclean disease, right? This one that he would even have to announce, hey, I'm unclean, by the way as I would walk down the road and people would steer to the left and steer to the right and avoid him because he was unclean. And he had heard about this man that could offer healing. In fact, someone told him, says, I know a guy, I've heard of a guy in Israel that can heal you. And so he goes and he desperately desires healing. But if you remember the story, he rolls up on the chariot and horses and Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him. It says that he sends a messenger. You remember that part of the story? And what did it say about Naaman? The messenger comes out and says, Elisha says that if you were to, you, you want healing, right? It, same thing, you want to be healed. He says, if you want to be healed, Elisha said, if you'll go down to the Jordan River, dip seven times, you will be healed. In fact, he even says another word, you will be clean. That's big to a leper, someone who's unclean. You will be clean. This thing that you have carried with you, this thing that is weighing you down, this affliction, this sickness, this one that people looks at you like you are cursed, it can all be taken away. All you've got to do is go and dip seven times. Anybody remember that part of the story? And it says that Naaman got angry. He got livid. He got upset because two things. He said, he didn't even come down to meet me, right? I thought that he would come down, it says. And he sends a messenger. I'm here with chariots and horses, and you won't even come down to speak to me. And then he says this. He said, are there not so many more rivers outside of the Jordan that are cleaner that I could dip in. And in fact, it wasn't even that, I think, that made him that upset. He got to a place after that and he said, past the rivers, he said, are there not cleaner rivers? And he even names a few. But he says this, he said, not only did I thought, think that he would come down, I thought he would just wave his hand over the spot and pray to God and remove it. So here is where we found ourselves feeling just like Naaman. Yes, Jesus, we want healing. 
But I want it this way. And I I, I implored, I, I asked you, I begged you to think about this, that your healing, whatever you need, be it physical, emotional, spiritual, addiction, whatever that is, I want to encourage you with this. I don't want it to be a discouragement, but I want you to begin to think in this way. Rarely will healing come in a way that you draw it up. He's going to call you to something. I can't tell you. I'm not a prophet. I don't have, thus says the Lord, you need to go and dip in railroad parks seven times. I I don't have that word. But I can tell you this. God still speaks if you know Him and listen and follow what He calls you to do. We mentioned that you could be the very one in the way of the healing that God wants to bring. Maybe He's already spoken. Listen. To my attic friend out here this morning, and, and I, this is hand before God, I'm telling you the truth. I spoke with somebody just a little bit ago, and they told us about somebody we know that's in a rehab program right now and making great strides, and, and they've got a plan, and it's awesome. I want to tell you, God uses programs like that. He sends people to help us when we need it. There is nothing wrong with going to someone. In fact, to my addict friend out here, some of you, God has already spoken. You know you need to go to XYZ and spend some time there and clean up. And maybe you're just saying, but I just wish God, and this would be wonderful, I just wish you'd wave your hand over it and I wish you'd just pray and I wish everything would just go away. Listen, guys, it's probably not going to happen that way. Are you willing to do your part? Are you willing to do what He's called you to do? And then last week we looked at it and said, okay, we can get in the way of that just like Naaman did of, of wanting it a certain way. And then last week we went to the New Testament and we talked about the idea of our body being the temple. Anybody remember that? Several verses. I mean, four or five that we read and we could have read more. It says that if you know him, look at me. If you know him, if you have relationship with him, then your body now is the temple of God. What this physical thing was where people used to go to connect and have a holy experience, the word says that my body, because I know Christ, is now the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in me. Is that not trippy stuff, right? But it's the truth. And we went back and we looked in Mark where Jesus went to the physical temple and he goes in here and he sees this thing and it's supposed to be holy and people connecting with God and it had become corrupt. And it says that he overturns the tables. And you look in John's account, he even fashions a whip and starts chasing people out. Animals flying, animals running, money overturned, tables overturned. It was a chaotic scene. Jesus came in and said, I'm about to flip everything upside down in this situation so that people get back to this holy moment. We asked the question, could it also be that you are in the way, this new temple of God, of things that you've allowed to corrupt something holy? What does Jesus need to overturn in your heart? Not that relationship's at stake, not that because sin is going to take you out of relationship, but let me guarantee you, sin can bring an intimate relationship at stake. If there's so much stuff in there that you're adding that is blocking out a holy God and just filling up this temple with stuff that doesn't need to be there... You could be in the way of your own healing just simply because of that. And so we said last week, Jesus, what are the things you need to overturn in my life? So we're going to continue from that. 
just with the thought of Naaman, that healing may not come in the way you draw it up. And then secondly, Jesus, are there things you need to overturn in my life? So from that, I want to take you to today's word. Before we do, I want to read this though. Maybe digging up some of these past hurts, these past wounds, these past addictions, anything like this has just really over the last couple of weeks brought to your attention some things that need to change. Anybody feel that way? Maybe. If so, maybe it brings a sense of brokenheartedness. Maybe it brings a sense of despair. Maybe it brings a sense of, Keith, you don't understand. I've been praying for years that God would remove X, Y, Z, and He hasn't. And it is tearing me apart on the inside. I feel brokenhearted. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you feel that way, but God led me to this passage that I want to share before I read today's Scripture. If you are brokenhearted, I want you to take heart this morning. Listen to these beautiful words. It's in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. My friend, if you are brokenhearted, I've got good news. It says the Lord is near. Can I be honest? We carry a lot of hurts out in this family. I've talked to several of you this morning. It's lost loved ones. or It's like my, my sister here would talk to me about somebody that's in rehab. You know, situations that are going on, health concerns within. Marcus, I remember him sharing last week some cancer concerns, some things that are really heavy out here. But you know when people in Woodstock, I bet you could attribute to this, that a lot of people when they come out here, they talk about, man, the feeling that is out here, the spirit that is out here. It's nothing special about the people that are out here. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. We're carrying some heavy burdens out here. The Lord is near. He's what makes this special. He's what makes this feel like, man, His Spirit is just so thick sometimes. He is near the brokenhearted. If you've been around my teaching, you know I love the message. The message is not a translation of the Bible, but it is a paraphrase, kind of more modern language. I just got to read from Psalm 34, 18 on this. If your heart is broken, if your heart is broken, you will find God right there. Is that pretty simple or what? If your heart is broken, good. That's where you'll find God. He is right there. Listen to what it says. If you're kicked in the gut, anybody ever feel life kicking you in the gut? If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Anybody ever been kicked in the gut so hard you can't breathe? Whew. I mean, just that wanting to cry, just this bodily funk you can't help. If you've been kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. So simple and so beautiful. I want to share with you the verses from today, though, but before I do, listen to this. The simplicity of the gospel and just being a childlike heart. Yesterday, I got to witness a good friend uh, baptize two of his children. A dad getting to baptize his children. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful time. And looking at the eyes of those children and seeing just this childlike faith, it took me to this deep and profound song that probably every one of us heard when we were a kid. Anybody remember Jesus Loves Me? Jesse was going to be here this morning. He had a flat on the way, and he was going to sing that song for you. Sounds silly to be in a crowd full of grown people and sing Jesus Love Me. But I want to tell you, there's deep theological truth that we need to preach to ourselves every day from that song. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? The Bible tells me so, right? What does it say about strength and weakness? Anybody remember that line? When I am weak, 
He is strong. Some of the first words that we ever heard about God, if you want to think about it, I, I know for me, I can remember going to a child's Sunday school and I, I, don't know, I don't know where this fits in your memories or anything like this, but does anybody remember them cookies you could put on your finger? What are those things? Butter cookies? Yeah, butter cookies, man. Stack them up on my pinky like I was king. Eat those and hear stories about Jesus loves me, right? Drinking Kool-Aid. Not that kind of Kool-Aid, you know, that, you know bad folk drink the Kool-Aid, but the good Kool-Aid, the ones that the ladies at church made, the nice Kool-Aid, right? But I remember the earliest memories of hearing that when I'm weak, He is strong. Let's be honest though, especially to my men out here. Do you like feeling weak? It's not something we want to sign up for. In fact, there's been many a fight started between two guys squaring off with each other, calling each other names or saying that they're weak or this. I know nobody out here has probably ever been in that situation other than me and Jason, but right? Is anybody else ever, not to get, we ain't face off like that, but we will if we need to, Jason. But anybody ever been there, you know, in those moments, you see, like you don't want to be weak. You don't want that associated with you. In fact, I'll say this, Beautiful, strong women don't want to be standing there and someone attack them and say, you're weak. In fact, husbands, if you want to experiment, go home and say that to your wife today. And report back next week. You probably won't have to. We'll probably be able to figure when you come back with them two shiners on your face, right? Mama done got on that head. I'll show you weak. But nobody wants to feel weak. Can I tell you it's a good thing, though? I want to read today's scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for you. Whose grace do you think he's talking about? This is Paul. Who offers that amazing grace, right? God, Jesus. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect. Anybody know the definition of the word perfect? It's deep. It means perfect. Great. Like without blemish, Right? The best. Blameless. Awesome. Power is made perfect in weakness. I want to tell you something this morning. It's so beautiful that you don't get to that place and it doesn't say that God spoke to Paul and says, my grace is sufficient for you when you've messed up so much like you have right now and you're being so weak like you are right now. My power is not made perfect that way. My power is made perfect when you are the strongest. Not what he says. He said, when you're at your weakest, it's my time to shine. That's when my strength comes through. Anybody can praise God when everything's rosy. Anybody can. It takes a real man or woman when they are in that brokenhearted state, when they are weak to say, you know what? I'm going to use this for the glory of God. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. I don't know how to say this other than just to say it bluntly. Can I say something bluntly? Some of us need to grow up out here. And if this hurts, like, I'm just going to be honest, you might want to look in the mirror, you might be one of the ones that need to grow up, okay? 
When, when I get here and I read this, it says, for the sake of Christ, when I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, some of you get set off if somebody insults you out here. Like it just t- completely just tears down your whole life that somebody said a word about you. It's a word. A, a bigger man is able to hear that and say, you know what, that's not what God says about me. That's not what this family says. I got to know. He probably doesn't know the Lord. Why are you going to give him final say? Or agitate you so bad to the point that you want to throw down? Like it's, it just doesn't make sense. Paul says, I'm content with weakness. I'm content when people insult me. I'm content with hardships. Anybody feel like they got hardships out here? Persecution, calamity, like problems. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we read that, we hear the song, Jesus Loves Me, but I want you to know that when we're talking about healing, some of you may be in a place where you say, man, I have been praying for a decade that God would remove this, and He hasn't. And some of you, quite honestly, it may shake your faith in Him. You may say, I don't know that I can believe in a God that wouldn't take this from me. I've been begging Him, begging, crying, pleading every day for 10 years plus, and He won't remove it from me. And you hear the song like, you know, Jesus loves me. You say, well, when I'm weak, he's strong. I get it. And then we take Bible verses and we say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's cute, Keith. But Paul probably doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand. He's able to say that because that's the Apostle Paul. Can I back you up just a couple of verses? Why in the world would Paul be writing the church and he's going to write them to a place and he says, by the way, I want to talk to you about weakness for a second. And when I am weak, I am strong. And when I am weak, that's the time for him to shine. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Why would he start there? He didn't start there. He started a couple verses back saying this. Listen to this. It says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. So he's hearing from Jesus. He's having these amazing revelations, these teachings for the church. He says this, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. Nobody knows exactly what that is. It could have been a physical sickness. It could have been some mental stuff that he was dealing with. The fact that before he came to Christ, he was the very persecutor of the church, literally killing people or taking them to death's door because they were believers. Now he's made this change. He knows the the way, the truth, and the light. He knows Jesus Christ, and he had people killed because they were followers of Christ. Maybe that's the thorn in the flesh. I don't know. But I know this, I know he had it because he's talked about it in several places in Scripture. Listen to what he says, though, before he gets into this beautiful wording of my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's what he says. This thorn that was given to me in in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave But he said to me, I want you to listen this morning. I pray to God he brings healing and whatever you're saying needs healing. I pray to God that happens today. I pray it's already happened. But if not, I pray that the situation that is happening, we could look and say, I pleaded with the Lord about this. And here's what he says to me. My grace is sufficient. You know what he's saying there? Whatever that thorn is, I've asked and I've asked and I've asked. 
for God to take it away, and He hasn't. But here's what He has done. His grace is sufficient for me. His power is evident in my weakness. For when I am weak, I am strong. I want to tell you, in the waiting... Man, look at Paul's example. While he was waiting on healing, while he was waiting for deliverance that never came, that we know of, while he was waiting, he said, I'm going to attack it like this. Listen to his words that his grace is sufficient and that in my weakness, I will see strength. I'm going to ask you this question and pray over this crowd this morning. What will you do in the waiting? While you're waiting, while you're waiting for healing, the things that we've talked about, are you going to stay out of the way like we talked about a a few weeks ago and listen and do what He calls you to do? Are you going to allow Him to overturn and uproot the system in your life that needs overturned? And then what will you do when you wait? I pray that in your weakness, you'll allow Him to shine and that your weakness will actually be strength. What will you do in the waiting? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I know from talking with a lot of my friends out here, myself included, there are areas that we need healing in, and we seek you on that. We ask that of you. But while we wait, if it brings us to a brokenhearted place, let us remember that Jesus, you are near the brokenhearted. I want to say that again to my brokenhearted friend, my brother, my sister. Jesus is near the brokenhearted. Think of the message that says that if our heart's broken, that is where we will find God. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that you don't leave us on those days where we are brokenhearted, that you are right there with us, that you're walking through that situation with us. And we pray for healing. Maybe the healing comes. Maybe we're delivered from an addiction. Maybe all the things that we could list that we've prayed for. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But I pray that in that waiting, in the times that we maybe even feel weak because of that addiction, we feel weak because of that sin in our life, we feel weak based on choices, we feel weak on where life has us, that just like we'll remember when we're brokenhearted that Jesus, you are near, we pray that we remember that when we are weak, you are strong. So Jesus... I take you at your word this morning. I pray your blessings over this crowd that whatever we are going through, whatever ways we need healing, whatever hurts we're having right now, whatever situation's going on, Jesus, we trust you in this, that your grace is is sufficient. Jesus, speak that over to our hearts this morning. If someone here doesn't know you today, that they would meet you for the first time, that's where it starts. That's where our body becomes the temple of God at that moment that we believe and we receive you as Lord and Savior. And if we've done that, Jesus, that this would just, the last few weeks bring about things to mind that we would just say, I just want that healing. I want to listen and hear from you. I want to follow and do what you call me to do. Jesus, with that, we pray for great healing for my friends, wherever that be, emotional, physical, spiritual, all kind of things. And so, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we thank you. We pray it in your name. Amen.